Well, that was a really depressing first reading, wasn't it? Job, uh, ending with the line, I shall never know happiness again. <laughs> I shall never see happiness again. Whew. So that's the good news for tonight. <laughs> now, what's interesting, though, is, is to understand um, why he would have been in that state. In other words, why he would have been thinking about himself in such a way, with such despair. And then co contrast that to the gospel. I'm going to attempt to do that. So in the Old Testament, okay, it was commonly believed that if you um, suffered misfortune, and remember Job had everything taken away from him. He had a large family. He was a large landowner with, you know, lots of livestock and crops. All of it is wiped away. He loses the livestock, the crops, uh, his family. Everyone is gone. And there he sits. And this is where we get this, I mean, you know, he kind of had a right to feel pretty bad about things because it looked very bleak. But not only did it look very bleak for him because of all that he had lost, but, but it was commonly believed that because he had lost that, or anybody who would have lost something like that, it was a sign that God was rightly punishing them. So if somebody had an infirmity, if somebody was ill, if, you know, if they had lost all their property through, through whatever may have befallen them, it's because they deserved it because they sinned in some way. So if you read the book of Job, you have people coming up to him saying, well, what did you do? You know, there's this whole line of people, well, you must have done something, you know, because God is doing this to you. He's right, because God wouldn't punish you unjustly. So you clearly must deserve what you're getting. And this would have been then the state of anybody who had any kind of, you know, sort of serious illness or malady or anything like that or any serious misfortune. The presumption of everybody would have been God is rightly punishing you because you're a sinner. Wow. Now, we look at the gospel and what does Jesus do with the sick people? What does Jesus do with the people who are, you know, possessed or obsessed by demons or um, you know, Simon's mother-in-law who is ill. The, you know, if, if they're justly getting what they deserve, then God doesn't need to do anything because God is already doing something. They're getting what they deserve. But what Jesus shows is that that, that understanding was completely wrong from the beginning, that our God is a God who actually saves. And it's actually the book of Job that begins to turn around that understanding. Because the whole point is that Job was a just man and he didn't deserve what he was getting. And so the Jews had to rethink their conception of God. And so that book was sort of a, a really, really important um, you know, book of theology and their understanding of the problem of evil. So then you move to the New Testament with Jesus and Jesus is going out to those who are sick. Jesus is God and goes out to the sick to save them, to heal them, to comfort them. That it's not a God who is far away and punishing his people, but it's a God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, walking with us and healing and bringing people back to full health, releasing them from their bondage. That this is what our God seeks to do, is to actually free us from anything that would bind us. So the contrast is very, very important. And that's, that's the reason we have these two readings here today. Because um, it seems strange, you know, the book, that first reading really kind of sticks out. Now let's look at 
what Jesus did in the gospel, okay? So he's, he's told that Simon's mother-in-law is sick. So he goes and he, he cures her. And then we, then we hear the fever left her and she immediately got up and waited on them, which is, <laughs> which is you know, kind of misogynistic, you would think, right? Get to work. All right, you're healed. Start serving us. You know, start waiting on us. You know, you could look at it that way. You could say, well, look at these bunch of men, you know, making her now. Can't she rest a little bit? She just, you know, was healed. But part of what really we're being told is that when Jesus heals, he restores people back to their way of life. You know, so, you know, Simon's mother-in-law would want to, would desire to, you know, sort of obey the customs of hospitality and to make people feel welcome in her home. That's, that's just what, you know, she would have done. Oftentimes we still do the same thing, you know, and, and we can even get inside of that a little bit more. You know, when we're sick, when we're ill, when we're just kind of, you know, laying there in bed and, and or on the couch or whatever, you know, we, we kind of long to do just the simple things. Oh, I wish I could get up and just feed myself, <laughs> you know, I wish I could. I don't even want to get up. I just want to lay here. So we long to do even the common things that we just we just do throughout the day. And so, again, What's being conveyed to us is actually a very human reality that, that you know, Simon's mother-in-law is being restored so that she can sort of enter back into those things that she desires to do. Well, then, you know, the floodgates open because, you know, as soon as you know there's a healer. I mean, imagine if I started healing people, there'd be a long line, right? Not, and not too long, you know. Ed's finally healed of that malady. We all know about him. And <laughs> this is supposed to be a joke. Thank you. Or, why is Linda the only one who laughed? Um, you know, but if, if somebody started healing, there'd be a long line, you know. And then he's this great preacher and teacher and, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's this long line of people, and they're bringing all their friends and all their relatives or themselves, you know, to get healed or to, to have a, a demon expelled or whatever it is. So the Lord spends all of this time healing the people, you know, God with us, setting people free. And then the next morning, we hear he gets up and he goes out alone to pray. And immediately, seemingly, Simon you know, knows that he's gone and goes after him with a few other people and says, look, there's still more coming. You know, there's more people outside that are, have shown up, you know, expecting that this is what Jesus is going to do, right? That like this is his job is to heal everybody. You know, Peter is thinking, well, you got to come back. And the Lord, it's, it's really fascinating. The Lord just says, no, time for the next town, essentially. No. Which is really an interesting thing, because here we have a God who desires to set his people free, and he does so for a time. But then he says, no, it's now time to go, because the reason I came wasn't just to heal people of their of their physical afflictions. It's not, that's not really why I came. He came first to preach the good news. Jesus, in the line of, being born in the line of prophets, his job is to preach. And so the first thing he always does, and he talks about this, is he goes off to preach. He goes to the next town to preach, and the next town to preach. There's plenty of still sick people and ill people that he could heal, but he leaves them. There's a certain indifference because that's not really his mission. He didn't come to set everybody free of every physical malady. 
Because everyone, even poor Lazarus, remember the story of Lazarus, right? We'll probably get it during Lent. Heals Lazarus. Poor Lazarus, when he was in the tomb for three days, three days. And then he, he's brought back to life. And everybody thinks this is a great deal. Not for Lazarus. He has to die again. <laughs> he's got to die again. What's my point? My point is that we can't, none of us are going to escape any of this physical stuff. So even if we're temporarily healed, we're still going to die. All right? So oftentimes what we're asking for God, from God, are things that, you know, really are just temporary sort of healings. It's not really what he came for. Right? Because what he came for was eternal realities. He came to preach about the gospel of the kingdom, that God seeks to set us free, not just from, you know, and not really even from the physical things, but from the spiritual problems we have. That he has come to save us from our sins. He's come to save us from all of that physical stuff and the grave and to set us free from it so that we might inherit heaven. This is why our Lord came. And so for ourselves to reflect on that, perhaps, you know, maybe, maybe reflect on what we're praying for. Maybe reflect on, on those things we think we need God to fix in our life. And, and maybe review as to whether those are the right things to be asking for. And there might be a good reason why they're not getting answered. You know, what, if, you're, if you're praying for the same thing for years and years and years and it's not getting answered or delivered, I think God probably did answer. He just said, no, he's not going to do it. Which means it's not what we're asking for is not in harmony with his will. Or he's telling us, you fix it, but I'm not going to fix it. Because the things that Christ is more concerned about are higher things than just fixing, you know, I wish I had a better boss. Yeah, me too. I, you know, I wish I had a better priest. Me, I can't say that. Um, you know, I mean, we can always hope for better things, but it's always temporary stuff and it doesn't ultimately matter. And so we need to get our, our minds fixed, I think. That's my assertion. If we can get our minds fixed on those things that Jesus cares about, we have our, we have our lives set in their proper priority, right? We have our eyes fixed on heaven, eternal realities, building up our treasure in heaven, living for Christ, not just living for ourselves. Please stand.